We're shipping up to Boston to get a rose tattoo. Turn up that dial. It's the Dropkick Murphys on the Music Universe podcast. Well, Matt, we got Tim Brennan with us, and uh, he's such a fantastic guy. Really cool to uh, chat with him for the time we got. And uh, I'm excited about this album. I really am, too. I can't wait to hear it. You know, I knew about Dropkick Murphys. I'm sure you'd heard Chippin' Up to Boston, maybe Rose Tattoo. But I've since moving to D.C. and making friends here, I've been introduced to sort of the wider world. I'm like, hey, they're really good. They're a great blend of Celtic, punk, rock. It's, they've, they've found that magic formula that has they have fans all over the country. But it's one of those things where you'll be talking to, to somebody and it's like Dropkick. And you're like, have you ever heard of this band called the Dropkick Murphys? And they're like, Dropkick Murphys? How do you know about Dropkick Murphys? I love Dropkick Murphys. So their fans still treat them like they're like this best kept secret, but really their popularity is really big and they've kind of exploded. And we talked with Tim about this a little bit. They've kind of exploded over the last year with everything they've been doing to stay creative during the pandemic. Yeah, um, you know, they, they were one of the first, if not the first, as I mentioned when you watched the interview, to uh, kind of pioneer the live stream, uh, you know, they did it from Fenway Park and uh, raised over $700,000 for charity. So super charitable guys. And um, one thing uh forgot to ask them, though, was if they had any tour dates lined up for later in the year. But it kind of sounds like everything's still open on that end based on what we chatted about. Absolutely. You know, and they don't even know how, well, I'm sure they know maybe that information's out there. They're still a little unsure on how they're even going to work at May 1st when they have, uh, they have the release party virtually for Turn Up That Dial. Got to stop here for a second. We didn't plan this, <laughs> but we're wearing the almost the exact same dang shirt and I'm like freaking out. Yeah, I, I actually pointed that out. Um, we yeah. Sat down. And um, we hadn't really spoken and we never really tell each other what we're going to wear. We just grab a dressy shirt and put it yeah. on. And you never wear maroon and I always wear some kind of pastel color. Right. So this is really freaky. Yeah, it was just meant to be, I guess. So we just sat down and I'm like, hey, look in the camera. What, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because if you see me look this way, which you'll see in the interview, my laptop, just with how my layout is, my laptop's over here, my camera's here. So I had to like look at you and I did a double take. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? But you know, it was really cool to talk to Tim. This is a really crucial time. They're releasing an album. It's possible they might be able to tour end of this year, beginning of next year. Things are coming back and we're gonna talk about that after this interview. But right now, here's our interview with Dropkick Murphy's lead guitarist and lead songwriter, Tim Brennan. Oh my gosh, uh, Tim Brennan. This is, and I'm so excited because, you know, Dropkick Murphys, I'd known about shipping up to Boston. I'd known about Rose Tattoo, but I feel like this pandemic, uh, forgive me for saying so if, if maybe I was unaware of how successful you are worldwide for this, but I feel like this, this pandemic has really allowed you guys to blossom from this band out of Boston to this like, global force for a really, really cool, really unique genre of music um, that is all your own. What has, these, what has this pandemic been like for you guys having the success that you guys have had? Well, I'll tell you, it's been interesting because as, so I've been in the band for almost 19 years, so 18 years now. 
and the band's been around for 25 years and um i don't think we've ever been home for more than three weeks at a time since the band started you know what i mean mm -hmm. so the first thing to get used to was the fact that we were home um yeah now you learn quickly that the the, the greatest thing about home is uh is leaving and then of course the greatest thing about home is coming back uh, yeah. after you've left for a little bit and so for the first time we were forced to just sort of you know be home uh, and uh you know you have a you everyone goes through a nice existential crisis where they say well what use am i to the world if i'm not on the road playing the guitar in front of people you know uh, but um uh luckily we were able to throw together so the the first thing the first domino that fell which actually let me know that this was a serious thing was our saint patrick's day shows got canceled we don't cancel nothing for nobody and um so when those when when we got word that those were being axed i was like oh something's really happening here and uh so luckily we were able to throw together that first live stream last saint patrick's day yeah and um that was great that was essentially just us playing live in front of a couple of cameras uh so then in may the end of may we got to do fenway park we got to play on the infield and uh you know uh people ask is it strange to play in front of nobody and the answer to that question specifically dealing with fenway park is you're so concerned about not messing up the infield of fenway park that you don't <laughs> even have time to notice that there's nobody there yeah uh, and then uh 10 months went by before we did between doing fenway and this last saint patrick's live stream that we did and that 10 months felt like an eternity i'll tell you um, what? 10 months has was that when you guys were working on the new record that was when we finished the new record yes um so before it all started in the in late winter or sorry early winter uh late 2019 we had started the new record and um the plan was to come home from our our January February European tour, do St. Patrick's Day in Boston, and then finish the record. And uh, those plans changed pretty severely, obviously. Um, so we we couldn't resume again until you know the fall essentially. Um, and and when we did, it was like one guy could go into the studio at a time essentially. Um, and uh, so it was a much different way of making a record for us. But um, at that point, we were just so happy to be able to, to finish it. We were so happy that the studio gave us the okay to come in even one at a time, you know. Wow. Um, wow. So, uh, you know, it was, it was an interesting way to, to do a record for us. But, you know, we, we, did, we, we were at the point where we're like, you just tell us what we got to do to be safe and we will do it because we just need to do something. <laughs> Yeah, because I know you guys usually record uh, somewhat live, right? And then do some overdubs. So that had yeah, to be sure, yeah. a turnaround thing to more like a Nashville tracking session where you just go in and one at a time and just hope that it all comes together the way you planned. Absolutely. And that's the thing, like even in the past when, we, you know, we've always done Matt, the drummer will will do his tracks and and we'll have me and James, the two guitar players, will play along with him. Uh, typically, those are considered scratch tracks for the most part, but you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, they're everything works out great. But um, so 
we're we're used to sort of um, going in and, and overdubbing stuff like that. Um, uh, but when everybody's in the studio, you know, you get, you know, your guy goes and does his banjo track and then the accordion track gets done and the acoustic track or whatever. So you hear it all sort of come together in front of you when everybody's there. When you're doing it one at a time, so I would go in to play accordion, say, and I would, you know, go through the songs that I had to play accordion on. And that's how I would hear them. And, and then until the next person came in to do their part, you wouldn't hear the sort of completed song until much later. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so that was, you know, that took some getting used to. But um, once we got going again, things moved fairly quickly once we had a handle on, on how to do it. The hardest thing actually was doing backing vocals because normally we have like 30 guys in a room and they do it two or three times. And then we've got a, a whole bunch of people. Wow. Uh, this time we had to go, you know, there was probably four of us in there at a time and each one was in a separate room. Wow. And, uh, and we just had to do it a million times, you know? I want to talk a little bit about the songwriting. I know you're one of the primary songwriters for the group. The okay. group's sound is so unique. It's Celtic, but it's punk, it's rock. You got some fiddle in there. How do you even begin to write for the unique sound of the Dropkick Murphys? Well, it's interesting. So uh, um, I was just a fan to begin with. So the first the first few Dropkick Murphys records that came out, I was I was just a fan before mm -hmm. I joined. And um, but uh, um, you know, I always loved how, how the sort of way that they meld the sort of the Irish music and rock or punk or whatever it was together. Um, but you know, when I when I first joined the band, the first hand, the first few records that I did with the band, it was very much like here's an Irish song, here's a rock song, here's a punk song, you know. And um, as the years went on, I think we've gotten better at sort of slamming all those things together into one song, you know. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's it's a matter of sort of touchstones. You just sort of need the right touchstones to 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 know the ingredients that make up a, a good Dropkick Murphy song. You know, I, we're all fans of the Pogues, who were like the first guys to really amplify Irish music. Like it had, you know, it had sort of been revved up before, but the Pogues were the first ones to sort of like plug in and do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and so the band definitely took a cue from them and then giant fans of the clash and the Ramones and, and things like that. And, and um, you know, just sort of having all of those touchstones and knowing what makes those, the songs from those bands so great. And mm -hmm. you know, just kind of, just kind of try to make it your own, you know? You know, you said something earlier and buddy, I'll let you ask more about the, uh, the new album in a second, but you said since you joined the band, it's been, no more than maybe three weeks at home at a time. Where all would you, where all would you perform? And when did it go national? If it wasn't already, when did it go national for you guys? To just sort of an up down east coast thing versus traveling all around the country. Um, luckily, I had the benefit of joining sort of uh, a couple years after the band became a nationally touring act. Um, they, mm -hmm. you know, they started sort of east coast and and. Um, you know, they would uh, they would meet a band on tour somewhere along the East Coast who was from San Francisco and they would get a show out there and then they would 
you know, get a show in Boston for the San Francisco band and sort of built a network like that. And um, so, I mean, uh, fortunately enough for me, they did a lot of the, the heavy lifting before I showed up, you know what I mean? As far <laughs> as just like road dogging it. Um, and, uh, um, but yeah, they just sort of literally just kind of like laid the groundwork piece by piece, like that meeting bands and, and making connections. And, and um, so, you know, the first record came out in 96, 97, uh, second one by by you know the second record by the time the gangs all here came out in you know 98 or 99 um, they were like a nationally touring act and I mean touring nationally in the sense that they went all across the country maybe they weren't known all across the country but they went right. across the country you know what I mean um, and uh, so when I showed up uh, you know, they had, there was some, some good stakes in the ground as far as the U.S. Um, and uh, so when I joined in 2003, we were making, we were starting to make a lot of trips over to Europe. Um, and, uh, and so I sort of got to see the, 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 the groundwork get built over in, in Europe, um, you know, from playing in, in 2003, 2000, 2004, playing, you know, essentially bars in Germany to now we play you know like small basketball arenas in Germany and and uh so just sort of have seen that very and it wasn't like a, a very quick thing it was a very slow gradual increase in the amount of people that would come and then we'd play a play we'd play a city two times and then the third time we'd be bumped up to the bigger venue and and um so like talk about a a, a like a master class in like working hard. I got I got to watch guys like Ken just sort of conquer it. You know what I mean? And um, and it's really crazy to watch. And it's I have the benefit of just being a guy who who writes music and plays the guitar, and I don't have to worry too much about like the business side of things or anything like that. And um, so for a guy like Ken who started the band in you know 96 and has made it what it is today is just incredible you know yeah and before we uh, before I ask you about the album I wanted to jump back a second about the live streaming you guys kind of started pioneering that because you guys were one of the first if not the first band to go that route um how did whose idea was that to you know what we're not going to be able to play live live Let's live stream this thing. You know, that's a very good question and a, and a very good point as well. Um, you know, I don't think we get a lot of credit for being one of the first bands to do that. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I don't know who was, who had their eyes open wide enough to see that coming. You know what I mean? As far as <laughs> Ken or management, but uh, somebody did and thank God. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I mean, from my from my uh, point of view, I basically we got a call saying that the shows weren't going to happen, and then maybe like two days later, we got the call saying like, "All right, we're doing a show, but we're going to do it for cameras and we're going to put it on the internet." And luckily, nobody really batted an eyelash or thought like, "Well, that sounds stupid." Um, because I think we all could sense that that's 
that was the the best thing that that people were people who who liked to watch live music were going to get for a little bit mm -hmm. um, so uh to to answer your question unfortunately i couldn't put a name to the person that uh that suggested that but they do deserve credit whoever it is <laughs> absolutely what we've been living with with the last year and um to but before we get on to the album do you think when you guys go back to touring that live streaming might be more of a regular thing that you may offer that's a very good question i mean it 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 feels like a cool thing to continue doing, you know? Um, uh, I couldn't say for sure, um, you know, I'm sure, you, you know, I, I, we've had fun doing them, I'll say that. Um, and it's always a cool idea. You know, we always love the, like the, the sort of idea where it's like, well, let's do one where we play the first record front to back or, you know, just uh, cool things like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was a thing that we that we sort of continued to do. Yeah, I I, I kind of Matt and I've talked uh, in other episodes that we think that this might be something that may everybody may since we're already embracing it may continue to do and just maybe offer ticketing tiers and you know even sure. different areas and stuff. So I I totally see that and honestly hope it does become a part of the normal, but not to replace it like we've had to live with. Right, yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, 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 somebody I was talking to earlier made a pretty good point, which is, you know, now it's clearly, it's clearly possible to do these sorts of things. So I mean, um, you know, how cool would it be if you could watch, you know, the the lineup of one of those European festivals or something virtually or some, or 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 whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's a that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, on back on to the album. It's called uh, "Turn Up That Dial." It is your tenth full-length record. Middle Finger is the first single. It's out now. Tell us about it. Uh, it's we're we're we to say that we were over the moon to get back into the studio and finish this would be the understatement of the year. And um, so I, I think that it kind of shows in the record itself. It's a very lighthearted, up-tempo um sort of uh um celebratory record um and that was that was all done on purpose because i think i think with something like this you can go one or two ways we could have written a dark dark album about how this year has been awful <laughs> or we could give something that people we could give we could give our fans something that they're going to want to listen to when this is all over and we can just sort of celebrate being here again, you know, um, and uh, and so I guess I guess that's what I would what I would uh, tell people about it is is it's it's a very um, it's a very celebratory, lighthearted piece of piece of music. I think does it represent twenty twenty? I think it represents. I think it represents 2020 in the sense that we want it to be like, you know what, let's, let's celebrate what we got. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely some references in there to, uh, to 2020 and, and what a crumb bum of a year it was, but uh, mm -hmm. for the most part, it's, uh, you know, we're just trying to, to celebrate the, the, the fact that, you know, we're still here and, and when this is all over, we're gonna just be able to be around each other again, and and uh, and all that sort of stuff, you know. 
I love that. And I'll tell you, you guys were advertising that all throughout the last live stream. I hope every single person, all 70 some odd thousand from YouTube that I saw, not to mention Facebook, uh, went on and purchased it. I hope your advertising methods did really well. And you're going to have another <laughs> live stream May 1st. Right. going to play the entire album live, I think from the same soundstage uh, right. that you did the most recent uh, concert from. That's right. Yeah. We're going to do the album front to back and then some more stuff, um, which will be fun because like I said, the way that we put this record together, uh, you know, up until recently, we hadn't played these songs as they exist now in a mm -hmm. room together all at the same time, you know? Um, yeah. So uh, getting to getting to go through those has been really fun. And, um, uh, you know, it's, and we're really excited about the songs on this album and, and um, it's unfortunate that we can't go out right away and, and tour on it like we normally would mm -hmm. um, because uh, I think a lot of these songs are gonna be so great live. Um, but until then people can see us bang through the whole new album on May 1st, yeah. I love that. When you tour again, like we were talking about live stream, will you continue to have that charitable aspect? I know Fenway Park, raised over $700,000. Um, will you continue to do stuff as the tours come back that keep that giving component that you guys are so known for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we always have um, some sort of CLADA fund representation out on the road with us. Um, that's our sort of charitable organization that helps specifically like um, substance abuse and, and recovery and, and uh, veterans and things like that. Um, uh, so we're always uh, we're always um, doing stuff um, uh, that way. Um, as far as the the sort of live stream donation things, I uh, I'm not I, I couldn't say. I mean, um, sure. they were so. I mean, the our 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 fans and and the people who support us are the are there's nobody better. I mean, the, the just, uh, you know, case in point, the amount of money that was raised during the Fenway thing, it's just astronomical. We, you know, it, and to be, to be a part of that, again, as somebody who was just a fan of the band when I was a kid, you know, uh, to, to be a part of that, it's like, uh, it, you know, when, when our manager calls us and says, this is how much money we raised, like it, it almost doesn't phase me because I feel like I'm hearing about it hearing about somebody else's life, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's crazy. I love that. Well, buddy, you have anything else? Cause I have the last question from my super fan friend. So right. if you have anything else, buddy, go ahead, uh, go ahead before we get to it. I just wanted to ask uh, about the May 1st live stream. Is that a ticketed event? Is it free? Do you have any bundle options for the album? You know, that's a good question. I can't say for sure, but I will certainly make sure that uh we let people know um i don't know the specifics of it just yet unfortunately okay well we'll stay tuned and we'll report on that my last question for you it's a bit esoteric but my friend thinks this way he's why i know about the broader catalog not just shipping up to boston and, okay. and all of your great songs last question you know you come out of boston the music is irish what makes a quintessential irishman if I've learned anything over my time in dealing with family members and um, 
you know, a, a lot of it is uh, Irish American people in New England, obviously, but um, uh, seems like a, um, a true Irishman seems to stuff their emotions down as far as they can possibly <laughs> stuff them. <laughs> and then uh, one day the top pops off and, uh, and then uh, it all gets pushed back down again. So um, turns out my uh, friend is, is Irish. I didn't know that. <laughs> he, he might be, uh, you know, uh, much like a lot of us, he, he might be stuffing down his true emotions. So maybe just yeah. ask him how he's doing or something. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was just making a joke. Tim, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Wish you much success with the album. Uh, it's called Turn Up That Dial. It's out. Uh, it comes out this. What date? What date? I had the date. April 30th. April 30th. It comes yeah. out April 30th. Uh, if you're watching this before April 30th, obviously, go ahead, pre-download, pre-order. If you're watching this on or after April 30th, make sure to get this. Uh, Dropkick Murphys never disappoint. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. You know, man, if I'm looking down at all, that's because my camera is a little higher up and I like looking at the screen. Plus, I've got notes on it. So bear with me, guys. If you don't see me looking directly at the camera, I'm making sure I'm not stumbling over what I'm about to ask or say something stupid to make me look like me. No. You say something stupid? No. Never. No. Bloopers. Never. We, we have some in the audio form. We have some nice or outtakes maybe extended things that didn't fit previous episodes we've got them coming as we need them so subscribe be sure to subscribe so you can check all that stuff out and of course it'll be all on our socials and uh everything but uh you know the 10th studio album they said it was done differently than ever before you know it, it definitely sounds more complicated than than it was uh, likely to be planned as most of the time, you, like he said, you just go in and you cut the core tracks and then there's scratches and then you overdub. But now with everybody going in separately, I've been there, done that. It's not always fun because the energy isn't necessarily there because you're binded to some type of click or some type of just pre-recorded thing and you can't really expand on that all the time so i'm really looking forward to seeing how this album sounds compared to the others i'm sure it's going to sound great it's going to sound yeah. previous ones but the energy you're gonna how that's going to inform the signature and, and what that what that's going to do to the through line throughout it'll be really unique every album created during this pandemic I, I think is going to have some sort of unique signature, or maybe you won't even be able to tell compared to the old analog. So it'll be really interesting five, 10 years down the road to compare music that came out during the pandemic versus once everybody's back together. And speaking of getting people back together, it's finally time. We have been submitting press ticket requests Finally, again, for dates that were rescheduled from spring of last year to spring of this year that haven't moved. The venues have figured out how to make it work. And when I tell you I was moved to tears, buddy, I was moved to tears because remember, my goal was always because I'm a, I'm a sadist. My goal was to be in a to have a butt in a seat every single weekend, yeah. every single weekend. I wanted to be in a seat in a venue and then that's, I was trucking along pretty good. And then that stopped cold in March of last year. And now to see these dates 
for spring here in the DC area, not moving again. That is really, really cool. Uh, did not get in for Winona. I did find that out. That's one we have coming up at the Birchmere, but I'm waiting on another one at another area venue and I'm excited. Did you hear about yours? I didn't uh, yet. I need to follow up, but uh, I, I remember texting you the other day. I'm like, I just did something I haven't done in over a year. And that yeah. press tickets. So if it happens, um, that'll be uh, later in the summer. But, you know, I'm in California, so things are a lot stricter than they are in the rest of the country. I mean, sure. I found out the, the morning that we're recording this, uh, that the um, theme parks are finally going to reopen on specific dates. You know, Disneyland, Universal has finally announced it, Knott's Berry Farm, Six Flags, all of them. And um, it's going to be quite different. I mean, they're not going to allow people to eat or drink while they're walking through the park masks. Right. So there's designated areas. Um, you know, we also are getting uh, feeling better about uh, Garth and Vegas happening. We've been discussing this for over a year now. I'm freaking praying That's every July. night. That is July 10th as of this recording. And he has even said, even uh, confirming yesterday, and you can find this article on, on the website, that um, they're starting to get the okay to make more on-sale announcements. So what that means though, is that some of the stadiums, and, and it sounds like it's up to each location based on you know recommendations and all that, they're not going to serve concessions. And you know concessions are the way these stadiums survive. So yeah, is very thankful for that. He's saying, you know, not to see that as an inconvenience, but as a safety for him and his crew and band and us as fans. So we may have to remain wearing masks, whether you have the shot or not. I don't, but you know what? I hope what that does, uh, just to stop you there. And, and this would be a great topic for a future podcast with a guest, maybe from the concessions industry, maybe somebody from live nation, but what I hope that does is I hope that injects cash back into the restaurants because the artists can always negotiate their contracts with the venue so that the venue gets a little bit more of a leg up than they typically do because they would have that concessions. What I hope this does is, is it's a boon for the restaurants because that means, oh, I can't, I can't snack my butt off, you know, while I'm, while I'm, uh, while I'm watching the show or I can't, I can't drink myself silly. I'm going to go and pregame at this local restaurant. So I hope that is a boon for the restaurants as the restaurants come back too. And I hope this whole ecosystem, economic system of, of, uh, of yin and yang of venues and restaurants and all that really works out to balance each other out. And they find that level in what I hope are the last stages, you know, no concessions, but maybe by the end of the year, we'll have concessions again. Once the whole, the whole goal is to get everybody vaccinated and return to normal. And this trepidation in the middle of get everybody vaccinated, but I hope, I hope that sort of we'll see will be temporary. So my, my thing is, um, you know, it's not just um, obviously Garth's tour that he's talking about. It's going to be every tour affected Mm -hmm. these different conditions and it's going to vary from location to location. But, um, you know, our social media guru, Brittany, she is, uh, has reached out for one that looks like she's going to be covering. And she said that she may have to prove that she's vaccinated for sure. meet and greet. So 
I, from what I'm hearing, and um, I'll, you know, I heard this from Eddie Trunk. I'm an avid listener on SiriusXM. He says he's hearing from Live Nation that he thinks there's going to likely be a couple of different entrances. One of the people who are vaccinated, you flash your card. Yeah. All ticketless. Um, it's all electronic entry. So you're going to scan your phone. You're going to flash your card. You're going to get in quicker. Those who refuse to uh, be vaccinated or haven't had the chance yet, likely going to have to be tested before you even enter. So I guess it depends on where you stand on that, on, uh, you know, how easy or hard it will be to get in and what you're willing to do. But I'm sure some type of uh, proof is going to be required as you they're talk. Yeah, they're talking about these COVID passports mm-hmm. and people are like, I don't want to have to call it, but what the heck? Well, you have to have proof that you're inoculated before you can go to pre- preschool or kindergarten. It's the same thing. You got to have proof that this disease we're trying to eradicate, you've done your part to try to eradicate it. So if they're talking, you know, full capacity again, I mean, I, I'd rather know that the persons next to me are vaccinated if you or I or myself or my daughter and I are there, you know, enjoying 70,000 people at sure. a show whatever it is, or you're standing in the merch line or, or however they're going to do it. I'd rather feel that comfortability knowing that, Hey, we're all, we know we're all in this together, but we all care together as well. And plus, I mean, if you have a chance to meet the artist, you don't want to risk it. Well, this is an incredible time to be watching. It feels like the clouds are parting might still be raining. Clouds might still be raining, but they are parting. I know I have very weird analogies. So we'll just keep you posted and we'll keep talking about this and maybe do an episode of, of, uh, of our podcast or of Weekend Notes all about how stadiums are going to handle the return of concerts and what they're going to allow versus what they're not going to allow. So we'll let's try, uh, try to find out some more. But I, I can say, you know, Kenny Chesney's pushed his back. Uh, yep. And uh, as of this morning too, Pearl Jam is push back their European summer trek to next year. No word on the U.S. dates. I, I think everybody's kind of holding off as late as possible because they're hoping with the vaccines rolling out as quickly as they are that we can. Yeah, I'm vi- not sure. I want to make sure I say this right. I'm not going to say this isn't a fact. I don't know if other countries have as broad a program to roll out their vaccine as we do. I only keep hearing about our our rollout, what President Biden is doing, but um, you know the other countries are smaller. I don't know why they can't, but I know it, for us we have that goal of May. Everybody has access by May, and then by June, July, uh, shots and arms across the country, nearly everybody done. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll just uh, you know keep uh, tuned uh, to all your news sources for all that, and we'll. We'll cover it as much as we can as well. But uh, I'm Buddy for the Music Universe. Matt. And I'm Matt. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Check out the new website, TMUPod. That's TMUPOD.com. And uh, that'll give you access to wherever you could hear us. And uh, be sure to subscribe to socials and keep checking out the latest news, release info, and more. TheMusicUniverse.com. See you next time. Uh-huh.